0: Welcome to another episode of the Victory Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Victory Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry and the impact it has had in our community for over 50 years, visit VictoryBaptistValdosta.com. Now let's listen as Pastor Ward brings today's message from God's Word. In the Gospel of John, chapter number 20, And for the sake of time, we're just gonna read verse 30 and verse 31, you know the story of doubting Thomas and uh, the events that had taken place in the 20th chapter uh, leading into the 21st chapter of of the book of John. And so the subject is a matter of belief. It's a matter of belief, he's doubting, and so now what is this matter of belief? And in verse number 30, many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written, listen now, these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, listen now, and that believing, you might have life through his name. How can it be any clearer? How can it be misrepresented? How can it be misunderstood what it takes to have your sins forgiven, and to have a home in heaven. How can anybody miss it, reading the King James Bible? I can understand where you may miss it, some of the others, but not in this book. You won't miss it in this one. It is perfectly clear. And so verse number 31, I want to share with you for a few moments this morning. I want to give you some things we must believe. Some things we, we got to believe. Now, I'm just going to give you five of them, and there's a whole lot more. I think uh, as uh, in our notes, we'll find that the word believe in one form or another is mentioned 96 times in the Gospel of John. I think that when God uses something that many times in what, 21 chapters, that we need to pay attention to it. The word believe or believeth or believing, 96 times in these few chapters in the Gospel of John. And I think the reason that it's so mentioned in the Gospel of John, because it is paramount for a person to be saved that they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I know that it sounds too simple. I know that men have spent lifetimes trying to make it complicated. I could call some of those names. But it is still as found in the scripture, it is the simplicity of Christ, and, and you may have trouble with some of the terminology, like once saved, always saved, easy believism and all, you may have trouble with some of those terms and, and you may grapple with those kind of things, but the reality of it is, he sure didn't make it hard. Did he? I remember the night I got saved in April of 1972, not raised in church, 22 years old, Hadn't been in church any more than six or seven times in my life and mostly that was in Sunday school. But when I heard the clear presentation of the gospel that Sunday following Easter in 1972, after my brother had gotten saved on Easter Sunday morning, they invited us to church and I went to church and heard in Victory Baptist Church what it is to be saved. A clear presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, then that night again and then Wednesday night again and then the pastor came over on Thursday night and led me into the word of God and let me see that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. I got up that night from beside the couch in that little 12 by 44 New Moon mobile home with Jesus at the throne of my heart, and my life. What a day! I love. I love this time of year. March is going to pass by, and then April. I'll be celebrate. We celebrate our anniversary in the month of March, and we celebrate. Our, I celebrate my birth date of being born again in the month of April. Two great months. Uh, in our life now, I want to share with you some things very quickly this morning. We make our way back to the first chapter of the book of John. You can go ahead and be turning there. And so, I want to, uh, before we get into our study, I, as I mentioned about 96 times in the book of John, the word believe is mentioned. I want to share just maybe seven of those very quickly with you. You'll see them on the screen. You don't have time to turn in the verses. And these are verses outside of John 3.16. John 3.15. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever, talk to me now, I won't have to go back and start all over, whosoever believeth in him should have an everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him. And so we we have those verses that you memorized in Sunday school and in your family devotion. But here's some that might not be quite as familiar in John 1:7, that all men through him might believe. John 1:12, even to them that believe on his name. John 2:23. And many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. John 3:12. What's that? What uh, that? Whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 14:1. You believe in God, believe also in me. John 7:31. And many people believed on him. John 10:42. And many believed on him. There. I'm already exhausted, and I just hit seven of them. 96 times in the book of John, give or take a few. I didn't. I just kind of counted uh, quickly. And uh, you don't have to follow up and see if I'm right. I, I'm not going to apologize for it if I'm a little bit wrong. But anyhow, about 96 times he's mentioned this matter of belief. And so there's some things, apparently, that we must believe. There's a commercial on television presently. I don't know how many networks are carrying it. I, I just I imagine it's very few. But it's a, a commercial by, the, um, by Franklin Graham, Billy Graham's son. And uh, not, a, not a name in the last half of the previous century. There's not a more recognizable name than the name Billy Graham. It's a name that most anybody in the world, anywhere that you might go, they might not know, know who the president of the United States of America was, but in the, from 1950 till Dr. Graham passed away, you could just about go anywhere in the world, and they would know the name Billy Graham, his son Franklin Graham. Um, I'll get away from that. But he's got a commercial on television, and he comes on, he comes on television, and he's standing there, and he's got a Bible in his hand, and he says something along the line of, this is God's Word. This is the book that is the number one bestseller of all times. It is previously, and he goes on talks about how that no other book, that this is the Word of God. And then he pauses, and he says something like he didn't have it in the script. I don't know that he did or that he didn't, but he said something so significant. He said, do I understand it all? I mean, he's Billy Graham's son. Surely he would understand it all. Do I understand it all? No, but I believe every word of it. Not all the world feels that way this morning. Not all Americans feel that way this morning. Not all churches feel that way this morning. Not all Baptist churches feel that, not all independent Baptist churches feel that way this morning. That they believe the word of God from cover to cover, even the things we don't understand and we, we haven't, they haven't been clarified in our minds, we still believe that it's God's word and it is right. From Genesis 1:1 to Revelation 22:21. 21 With that said, there's some things We must believe. The first one being found in John chapter number one, and it's interesting to me as we look at this, I'm not going to look at all of them, but there are are several ways in which Jesus is identified in John chapter number one. And so I want to say in the first place, we must believe that Jesus is who the Bible says he is. Amen. You got to get this one. If you don't get this one, the rest of them will be unimportant this morning. We must believe that Jesus is who the Bible says he is, not who grandma said he was, and grandpa and the pastor downtown or some book that we read behind, but we must believe that Jesus is absolutely, 100%, teetotally, unconditionally, the person that the Bible says that he is. Gotta believe it. Gotta believe it. You say, well, I might have trouble with it. I don't have trouble with any of it. If God says Jesus is this or that, then I believe this or that. Hello, wake up now. We must believe that Jesus is who the Bible says he is in John chapter one in verse number one. It says that he is the son of God. I'm gonna hasten through these because I wanna get to the other four very quickly. You can look them up for yourself in and, in and, uh, and, uh, uh, John chapter number 1 and verse number 1. Jesus is God. I will read that one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God in verse number 2, and the the same was in the beginning with God. You know who he's talking about? Capital W-O-R-D. He's talking about Jesus Christ. He gives that identification in verse number 14, if you have any trouble with it. He makes it perfectly clear who the one who came in the flesh was. It was Jesus, the Son of God, the Word of God and so we must believe this, it speaks of his divinity, it's amazing to me that in the very first verse never noticed it till this morning when I was going back over the message, I never noticed that in the first verse of John chapter number 1, he talks about the divinity of Jesus Christ as being God being God himself but when he closes in verse number 51, I'm getting ahead of myself and he saith unto him, verily verily I say unto you, hereafter ye shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And so we see everything at the beginning of John uh, chapter number one, we see Jesus as God, the divine, and at the end of the chapter, we see Jesus, the human Son of God. We see his divinity all the way to his humanity and everything else, I think there's about 17 of them in John chapter number one that identify and tell us who Jesus is. We must believe that Jesus is who the Bible said he was. Amen. Amen. Wouldn't be much of a preacher if I didn't believe this first one. Wouldn't be much of, you wouldn't be much of a teacher if you didn't believe this first one. I mean, what are you, what are you gonna teach? What, where are you gonna go? for assurance and where are you going to go for certainty where are you going to go for absoluteness in a day where nothing seems to be absolute but everything is variable where can you go other than to this book and find out things that are absolute and they have no variableness about them I love this book I guess you can tell that by now the second thing is in verse number 14 I mean verse number 7 excuse me we we see that Jesus is God verse number 7 we see that Jesus is light there's a certain kind of darkness that requires a certain kind of light i've never been down in uh, deep down in mines 300 600 Feet, six, uh, a mile, two miles below the surface of the earth, but they say that when you get down in the deepest dark places uh, of those uh, mines, coal mines, diamond mines, whatever they might be, when you get way down in there, it takes a special kind of light to illuminate that darkness to where you can even see. You can't take your regular little flashlight down there and with an ever-ready battery and it, turn it on and see past the end of the light. It takes a spe- some kind of darkness takes a special kind of light. And the darkness that this world is living in today can only see by the light of the Son of God. Amen. There's some things we must believe. Not because we're Baptists, but because we, we're we're God's children. And um, so we must believe, number one, and I'm going to get tied up, I can tell. I love talking about Jesus. Amen. Amen. It ought to put a smile on your face when you you hear that name. What a wonderful name, the name of Jesus. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. (laughs) Mm. That'll make you feel good on a bad day. John 1 in verse number 14, he's also the word. John 1 in verse number 17, Jesus is Christ. He is the one who is anointed, he is the one who is willing, and he is the one who is crucified. He is the Christ. In John one twenty three, Jesus is Lord. He's Lord, and don't you forget it. So much could be said about everyone. I like John one twenty nine. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Because we know that the Lamb of God came to take away the sins of the world unlike the typologies and unlike the sacrifices of the Old Testament and every year they had to go back and do it again and again because the sin was... Not simply but and not only, but the sin was being atoned for and it was mounting up until the perfect Lamb of God. And all those sacrifices they made day in and day out and all the blood that was shed and, and all the altar sacrifices and everything they did for millenniums of time was all waiting for the day that John saw when he stood there in the River Jordan baptizing and he sees the Lamb of God which comes to take away the sins of the world. Take them away, take them away. We must believe that Jesus is the Lamb of God, John one thirty four. We must believe that Jesus is the Son of God, John one thirty eight. We must believe that Jesus is Master, Rabbi. He is the Master. In John one forty one, we must believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the royalty as a King. In John 149, we must believe that Jesus is the king and he is the king of Israel and all the earth. We must believe in John 141, and we've already read the verse that Jesus is the son of man. That is his humanity. And then in the second place, let's move on to John chapter number two and uh, you remember the story of the um, marriage of the wedding at Gana, uh, Gana, uh, Cana of Galilee and uh, they were uh, getting prepared for the marriage ceremony. And uh, they didn't have the wine to serve at the marriage ceremony. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But I want the second thing that we must believe, not only that Jesus is everything that the Bible says he is, the second thing we must believe that Jesus has transforming power. How can he help us if he doesn't? If, if Jesus doesn't have power to transform, how can he help us? How can he help us? I mean, you know, the counselors can help us out. And the psychologists can help us out. You know, and, and wise people and pastors, wise people and pastors also, they, they, can, they can help us out. I mean, Mom and dad can help me out. Grandma and grandpa can help me, you know, can help me along the way. But only Jesus can transform you from what you are to what you can be for his glory. The Baptist church can't do it. We've been trying to do it since the beginning, since the the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Baptist church has been trying to transform people. but We can't do it. Our hands are tied behind our back when it comes to making the difference, the real difference. Oh, we can get you to do better, we can get you to spit white and, and walk right, and we can get you to, you know, to quit this and that and the other and, and to become a better citizen and and all of the social programs, they can help us, they can help us and they can, can maybe give us a better life. And if you're uh, on if you're on alcohol, then there's programs that can help you. If you're addicted to drugs, there's programs that can help you, but only Jesus Christ can transform you. From what you are to what you need to be. He's the only one. He's the only one that can change. And so we have in this story the power that he has in transforming. I don't have time to look at the story in detail. This is um, too much, but in verse number nine, remember now they don't have any they don't have any wine uh, but they have some They have some water pots of stone in verse number 6. And down in verse number 9, this this phrase jumps out. And he tells them to go get the pots and bring them and so on and so forth. And uh, they were filled with water to the brim. But look in verse number 9. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water, look at the next words, that was made, not made into, the water that was made wine. It's a big difference. Big difference. Jesus, somebody said, "Well, that that uh, you know that makes it all right for us to drink wine. If you make it like Jesus made it, I'll drink some of it." Hmm? With nothing else, he didn't have he, he didn't he didn't have grapes and he didn't have uh, barley and corn and he didn't he, it wasn't like he's trying to come up with some kind of moonshine concoction or something. He didn't have those ingredients. He just took water and made wine. That shows his transforming power. Now, you can go out and make wine, but you can't make wine like Jesus made wine. And it shows that he he has the power to transform. I wrote these five things down quickly. Number one, he transforms our problems into solutions. Got any problems this morning? I think I preached about that. Maybe it was Wednesday night or last Sunday. I don't know. I preached about troubles and problems and those. He takes our problems. In the, I like what he says about storms in the book of Psalms. He said that he turns the, he turns the storm to calm. He just takes a big old storm and and the storm is here and then he, at the next moment, it just becomes a perfect calm. That's the transforming power of our God. Say, what are you saying? We got to believe it. We We don't have a message for this crooked world except that Jesus can change your Joining the church never changed anybody's life. Signing a card never changed anybody's life. Shaking the preacher's hand never changed anybody's life. But I'm telling you, they have been life after life that has been transformed through the power of Jesus Christ. Number one, we must believe that Jesus is who the Bible says he is. And number two, we must believe that Jesus has transforming he shows us, and he mentioned it in our text throughout the book of John. He transforms problems into solutions. He transforms sorrows into joy. He transforms our needs into supplies. I had a fellow get saved many years ago, and um, I, I was going to mention him in a different place. But I remember him standing up and testifying one time. His name was Marvin Bound. He don't, he, before he died, he said, tell my story anytime you want to, anywhere you want to. He didn't know about live streaming and all those kind of things. But he had totally wrecked his life. I remember when he came to church, some of the men had been witnessing to him on bus visitation and he came to church and then he called me one Wednesday afternoon. Uh, I, my office was on this end of where the Sunday school building is now. And the phone rang and I picked it up and he, he he said, Pastor Ward, this is Marvin. He said, I need to talk to you. And I said, come on, I'm in the office right now. And he came. And he came and he came inside that room and he began to tell me all the awful things. I said, you don't have to tell me that. He said, but I got to tell somebody. He said, I'm telling Jesus, but he said, I want you as a witness. And he told me the awful things that he had done. And how that he had wasted his life and and uh, how foolish he had been. And, and, he, and I remember so clearly when he asked me this question. He said, can Jesus change my life? I'm glad I had an affirmative answer. And that big old man, probably 375 pounds, 6 foot 4, he got down on the floor with his face in the carpet and prayed his way into heaven. I said that to say this. He was standing before the church one Sunday night getting ready to sing, I think he, every time he sang, he sang, what a friend we have in Jesus. He'd sing in C and play in the key of D and the, on that guitar and, and sing, what a friend we have, and tears just rolling down his face. You see, Jesus transforms. He transforms. And he stood there one night and he stopped singing. He had that big stomach out here, the guitar looked like a dobro, you know, on his on his belly. And it's about half about a 45-degree angle there. You know, he's playing it. He stopped and tears running down his face. He said, You know, I read about Jesus turning the water into wine. But he said, I'll tell you. He said, Jesus has turned my alcohol and my ways. He said he's turned my alcohol into furniture and groceries for the children and shoes for their feet and books for school. And he went right down the line of all the things that Jesus had transformed in his life. He turned needs into supplies, sorrows into joy, prayers into answers. Where would we be this morning? Could we not pray? Where would we be? If we didn't have an avenue, if, if, if there was no, if all we had was one another to talk to and convey our needs and our troubles, if, if that's all we had, how miserable we would be. I'm always glad to talk to anybody about their problems. But there comes a time that nobody's going to be able to help you, and you can talk to Jesus. He transforms prayers to answers. He transforms sinners to prayer, to to saints. Number three, let's look a little further, and I'll finish up here in the book of John, in chapter number four, in the verses forty-six through fifty-four. But we'll not take time to read. But you remember the story, how this uh, nobleman's son was at the point of death, and that's exactly what it says. In verse number 47, for he was at the point of death, his son. And Jesus, you know the story. I don't have time to get into it this morning. Not only we must believe that Jesus has transforming power, we must believe that he specializes in hopeless situations. I've seen some, and... uh, I, I can't imagine anything worse than having, and some of you, and I, I'm not trying to open old wounds or anything, but I can't, I can't imagine what it's like to have a, a child that's dying. I, 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 I've been with people, but I've never experienced it. My child is at the point of death. I'm glad he specializes. Now, we, we know this, and, and, and hear me well, hear me right. I know that not every time we pray, and not every time the doctors do everything they can, you, you, can't, you can't deny the scripture. Ecclesiastes put it simply, and it put it this way. There's a time to be born, and there's a time to die. Sometimes it's early. I've done funerals where the casket was no bigger than a size 12 shoebox. And I've done them that were full length 200 times. And so we we know that God is sovereign and and according to John chapter number 9, it's all for the glory of God, either way. If they live to be a 97-year-old grandpa or if they die from the mother's womb. for God's glory. I don't, but I can't imagine. But I can say this. I'm glad that his grace is always sufficient and that he specializes in situations when the doctors have, when they come walking out of the room and they say, I'm sorry, we've done all we can. Number four, we must believe that Jesus help tho- helps those who cannot help themselves. Here's the story of the man there at the pool and uh, waiting. It's in chapter number five, the next chapter. John is filled with this, and I'm done. Our time's come and gone. But the verse says, here he is. He's a uh, crippled. He's impotent according to verse number seven. But in verse number seven, we must believe that Jesus helps those who cannot help themselves. And there are people like that. We're all like that. And he said in verse number seven, the impotent man answered him, sir, I have no man. How sad that is. I don't have anybody to help me. And as much as Jesus works in those hopeless situations, he works in these helpless situations because none of us, I remember hearing the, Preachers say it was in a Bible conference. He said several of them, five or six of them, were walking up to the McDonald's and he said there was a, there was a, 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 a homeless man sitting on the sidewalk and uh, when, said when the preachers walked up to him, said that they looked down at, down at him and said, sir, do you need some help? And here's what that homeless man replied. Don't we all? Now, you might not need help with groceries. You might not need a shelter over your head, but you need help. You've got to have help. And when nobody can help you, Jesus is there to help. And here, I like this one in John 8 about the adulterous woman that was caught in the, in the very act of adultery. We must believe that he forgives whosoever will. Sure. Sure. John chapter number 8 in verse number 11. Jesus said these words as a pianist is coming this morning. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. <laughs> ah, I wish I had time to tell all those stories. And then I got a story for all the stories. But our time won't allow us to do that. Just take me at my word this morning. There are some things we must believe. Would you stand with us for prayer? Father, we love